Welcome to Tigers SRD with two hosts who always start on second, Chris Brown, never-ending parade of mediocrity, and Roger Castillo. Roger, live in Detroit. Hey, and welcome back to the Tigers Radio Sunday Night Show uh, here, kind of uh, in conjunction with Tigers Minor League Report. It's uh, me, Chris Brown, with your usual co-host Rogelio Castillo and Jake Bowes, and we have special guests today. The uh, the two men from the Turning the Quarter podcast, and in uh, Kieran Steckley and Cody Stavenhagen, and of course Cody also writes for the Athletic. Uh, and thanks, guys, for joining us. This is uh, this is fun. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, y'all do great work. It's great to be here. No, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so it, as it turns out, the whole bunch of minor league news broke about an hour, two hours ago before we started. Uh, and luckily, I, you know, Cody, you went out. We were just going to talk to you about going out to Erie, but uh, I guess kind of luckily. I don't know if you feel lucky or bad that uh, you went to see them out there, and now they're uh, much, much closer. Yeah, some of both. I think it's uh, good timing to be doing this show right now. I also think uh, all the stories that I was saving for next week are a little bit more irrelevant now that uh, all these guys are in Toledo hopefully you know maybe it'll spark some more interest around them but uh and it's also like really I drove four hours and spent three days in Erie Pennsylvania when I could have just waited a week and uh, gone down to Toledo <laughs> well I will say you did see uh something that most people don't ever get to see somebody go seven for seven in one game or well in one day two games uh yeah it was it was also good timing for the trip Torkelson yeah. seven for seven three bombs um such a good day that it overshadowed the fact Riley Green also hit two homers that day. Yeah. Right, they began the second game with back to back to back homers. Tork Ryan Kreidler and, or Green Ryan Kreidler and, and Torkelson. So definitely got to see some good baseball. In addition to that, uh, you know, saw Joey Wentz start. Saw guys like Andre Lipschitz got to um, see more than just Tork homers, even though that's what everyone wants to talk about, and rightfully so because uh, they were they were all smashed. Too, they weren't they weren't gimmies. Yeah, one of the things I was excited about because uh, um, you know we, we went out to Erie. Raj and Jake, let's see, Jake went out there for you guys were out there for one game. Raj has been out there yeah, twice. We I went a, a game. Yep, I went out there for a game, but you know we were all doing it just kind of uh, you know get our video and, and go. But you were there for a couple of days, and and you know you're a reporter, so I you know I'm hoping you dug up some good stuff. I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, hopefully it's okay. We'll see. We'll, we'll have uh, several stories coming out next week, so hopefully they're all right. I I, I did see that Dan Hasty uh, tweeted out today that Torque was actually using Daniel Cabrera's bat in that that day. Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't know that one, so I guess he's a better reporter than I am. I had talked to Torkelson, <laughs> you know, before before that game, so I am uh, you know I have a, a habit of jinxing Derek Hill and guys at the big league level. But I'm going to take credit for Torkelson's day and Green. I talked to them both before they went off. I, I like to think that my presence must have had something to do with it. And uh, here's a funny anecdote. The Tigers had a lot of people in town Tuesday and Wednesday. They had some front office members like Sam Minzen, Jim Leland was there, several scouts. And Wednesday's game got rained out, and the bulk of that contingent headed home and did not see the doubleheader Thursday. I guess they didn't oh, need geez. to see it. When yeah. you see the guy went seven for seven, it's not that hard to say, oh, okay, let's promote him. But anyway, the uh, several Tigers front office representatives missed out on the great day because they went home. <laughs> And Hinch was playing that close to the vest as early as this afternoon, right? Where he kind of said, uh, I don't think there's a decision that's been made. I don't know how beneficial it's going to be to go to Toledo for 20 games and kind of held back. And then lo and behold, you know, four hours later, they're promoted, right? Yeah. yeah and it now has me wondering, like, did he actually know? Did they decide this yeah. after the game? I, <laughs> I'm not sure what the truth is on this one. Well, and I guess I, I don't know if we actually said it. I mean, we just kind of assume anybody watching this podcast knows. But yes, yeah, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, and Ryan Kreidler were all promoted from AA Erie to AAA Toledo. Um, and we bought tickets shortly thereafter. <laughs> yeah, because trying to get a hold of the uh, – hopefully we have a better understanding of who to get a hold of at Toledo. I mean, we have a really good relationship with Greg and – the Gregs, I should say, in uh, Erie. And it was it was good to see out there and – um, especially too with like even going to Lakeland this this year, it was I know Lakeland's kind of bare bones a little bit, but the new infusion of talent, which we'll get to, we'll talk about Toby Keith here 
hope Toby Keith. Wow, Cold Keith. Toby. Shout out Toby Keith. We're not talking about Toby Keith. <laughs> oh no, I got nothing encouraging to say about him at all. Um, but uh, no, Cold Keith. Uh, he's he's been on a roll, and hopefully we'll see him in West Michigan. Also, forgot to mention, and Chris was just going to probably say this: Reese Olson was just called up, and he'll be in Erie as well. And then uh, Jack. Uh, oh, I'm seeing this correct? Jack O'Laughlin. O'Laughlin is heading up to West Michigan after probably being the most consistent starter in Lakeland right now. It was, we're going to talk about, we talked about Carlos Guzman last week. He was kind of falling back a little bit. His numbers have indicated that he's just, we're really not sure what's going on with Guzman. Cause I thought he would kind of step it up this year and it, it doesn't appear to be that way, but uh, yeah, nevertheless, I mean, it's, it is progress to see Reese Olsen yesterday go out there and shove. I mean, he went out there 10 straight against uh, a really promising prospect in Cleveland in, um, Daniel Espino. Yeah, Espino, who was – Dan Hasey told us afterwards he was just shoving. I mean, he was also yeah. just as effective, and so. He gave up one hit, I think, in five innings, 11 strikeouts, but the one hit was a Ray Rivera bomb, a record-breaking Ray Rivera bomb. That's right. I was surprised that the West Michigan home run record was so low. What do you say? It was like his 26 26, career? I think, yeah. I would have thought it would have been higher than that, but I guess, like, as you perform, you just get moved around. Yeah. Yeah, generally speaking, I, I you know they've been a low A, high A team. So if you're yeah. hitting a bunch of home runs, you probably get moved up. It's not like uh, you know getting hanging out there in Toledo with my cousin for <laughs> for eight years. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a quite. A, that's, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that Ray Rivera at least has a house in West Michigan. I mean, I, I would assume so. It feels like he's been out there forever, and uh, but honestly, like I know his numbers don't indicate that. But like I said, it's, it is good to see him. Do something, um, <laughs> so, something you know. But uh, in terms of what you saw in Erie, Cody, uh, in addition to all the offensive power, um, in terms of the pitching staff, how did it look to you? In terms of just, I know the Tigers have a lot of like late round draft picks in there. Um, Bo Brisky was just called up to you, but how did the pitching staff look out to look out to you or look to you? Yeah, um, I don't know that I have a ton of great things to say. I mean, I think the Erie <laughs> pitching staff kind of is what it is. The bullpen has struggled a lot for them this season, especially in, I think, July. The bullpen really got them, and you kind of go over the list of names, and it's like, well, this isn't really a surprise. You know, not, not many of these guys are expected to be guys in the system in terms of the starters. I did not get to see Bo Brisky pitch, but he has uh, – I did write a story on Bo Brisky and talked to him and came away very impressed. He's just a great story, a, a grinder who's kind of beaten the odds for a long time, and a lot of things are finally coming together. For him, I know his most recent outing was a little more rocky, but uh, he's making an impression, and he's caught the attention of the higher-ups to where they're keeping a close eye on him. He doesn't, you know, I noted in my story, he doesn't exactly have Tarek Skubal upper 90s stuff with devastating off speed. I don't know that he has the makings of a, a frontline starter, but, you know, he can throw. Uh, he can sit around 93, and he's got a decent arsenal, and it seems like command and just knowing how to attack hitters, some of the, the little things are really his strengths. So that could bode well, maybe gives him a future uh, in the big leagues in some capacity if he keeps it going. Uh, again, I saw Joey Wentz, uh, who's, who's – very interesting guy to follow, of course, coming back from Tommy John. And I think a lot of people in the Tiger system were pretty down on Wentz, given he's struggled badly with command since his return from Tommy John. But, I, you know, to me, he looked like a guy coming off surgery. It reminded me of kind of watching Michael Fulmer last year, where he would go stretches of three or four hitters, and he would kind of just look terrible. The stuff would be flat. The, uh, the command wouldn't be there. And then he'd face a batter or two and he'd start spotting the change up and, you know, ticks up from 91, 92 to 93, 94. And you're like, oh, no, there's there's something here. He just hasn't put that together consistently yet. Like a lot of post Tommy John guys struggling to get a feel for the curve. The change up is probably his best put away pitch when it's working. He threw a couple really nice change ups and I had some scouts next to me kind of perk up and say, oh, that's yeah, that's the guy we thought we thought he was. He's still just getting that feel back. Also saw an Elvin Rodriguez outing. Um, you know, he started off this year very good. Uh, you know, I, his stuff didn't really sizzle to me. It was kind of low 90s with okay off speed. He was in the zone a decent amount. Ended up going seven innings, but I thought he gave up a lot of hard contact that, uh, you know, the Babip gods were in his favor that day. <laughs> so, you know, those, those are some of the main takeaways for sure. 
Yeah, the, the only other thing, too, is I, I was looking at some guys like Brendan White comes to mind, too, and I was trying to draw a blank on some of the – he – Chris, who's the other starter we saw at uh, – Brendan White, and I'm trying to think – I'm drawing a blank on the other – That we saw in, in West Michigan or yeah, – recently, yeah, uh, West Michigan recently. I feel I think we saw Jesus Rodriguez this year, and he's he's up there now, uh, but, you know, he's just kind of an org arm. In a, yeah, like, or even like the likes of uh, it's funny to see. I think we've seen him every time we've gone out there. Is uh, Zach Shepard? Uh, yeah. You know, well, every time we've gone out there, and this goes back years. Every time I feel like we've seen him, I saw him a lot at third base. Yeah. Years. Yeah, and now no, he's a uh, reliever. I'm trying to think of the other. I thought we saw one starter that was been. Kind yeah, of, we saw uh, Keir Montero as well in West Michigan. Thank you. Yep, that's who. It was. And, yeah, and I'm surprised he hasn't been up. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, I'm surprised he's been up a little bit. Um, uh oh. Or just because West Michigan's desperate for starters. I think the whole system's desperate for starters right now. I mean, yeah, there was a while there, Cody kind of alluded to it, where like Erie almost had what, maybe two starters, and the other three days were kind of bullpen days. So it, it could have been a performance issue, and I don't want to like rule that out at all. But I think a lot of it was just them getting exposed and having to throw multiple innings when there are probably some one inning arms that are on that team. Yeah, I think that's yeah. really and true. It, and, and, I think we've seen that trickle everywhere. Why did Drew Hutcherson start today? Well, they didn't really have anyone else. Why is Matt Manning in the big leagues? Well, they they don't have anyone better, you know. Mm-hmm. The Willie Peralta Renaissance, another example of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think. <laughs> this was, I think, this was always kind of a concern heading into the season. I, I don't think they expected to lose Turnbull and Boyd for you know a large chunk of the season, but Tehran, yeah, Tehran, yeah, in, Urania, in, uh, in yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was always, I'll do it. It was always a concern that you know when you're jumping up from sixty games to one hundred and sixty and no minor league season that that just you're going to have guys dropping like flies, and it's finally come to pass. It seems like where I mean. I don't think in a perfect world they would have had Drew Hutchinson start a game in August. But <laughs> and speaking of Tarah, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw this earlier, but he was pitching in Wakeland and they shut him down because of low velocity. So that's, yeah, that's not good. Back, which not, not good. And I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really expect him to come back because of his type of injury he had. It seemed like it was one of those things where, it, like the, the the I got a lot of crap for writing. Oh, there's a curse on free agent Tiger pitching. Well, I mean. Well, look at Matt Moore almost almost combined for no hitter yesterday, but I digress. <laughs> but what do I know? Um, but uh, yeah, he for Tehran, Tehran, I didn't really expect him back with that kind of injury. Yeah. So that was it's a it's a setback. I mean, Matt Boy pitched on was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday. Yeah, yesterday two innings, and he got out ahead of the Columbus hitters. Looked pretty solid, but didn't really throw a lot of fastballs. A lot of off speed stuff, and looked like he was kind of experimenting a little bit. And I just went two innings. And the Mudhens are right now are, I mean, this is where it's a perfect situation for these guys, too, because they're in a, re- a pennant race, first place, as the Indianapolis Indians come into town. And they lost today 8-7, to seven, but Toledo is just mashing the ball. I mean, in terms of, like, just somebody tweeted out earlier the amount of home runs that lineup's going to produce. And it seems like, what, every other batter's got double-digit home runs on that ro- ro- roster. So, yeah, you know, when, when people, I think that that Hinch quote got out today about, you know, I don't know uh, if they're going to go up to AAA or not. I kept thinking about the scenarios because I don't know if there's actually playoffs in the AAA this year. I think they announced playoff series for the other three main, uh, you know, full season leagues. But I think they announced like two more weeks of games in AAA. There might be like the classic uh, former International League versus Pacific Coast League crossover game. Um. And that was kind of what I was thinking because Erie is technically in a in a playoff hunt too. I think they're five games out of second place, so it's it's probably not going to happen. But I did wonder if they wanted those guys to be a part of that, you know, playing games that matter. Uh, although I guess they're yeah they're technically still playing games that matter now in Toledo, and they might be playing two weeks more of them. So I don't know if any of that had anything to do with it, but it was stuff I was kicking around my head this morning before they actually moved them up. Yeah, we're, I think we're like more than anything. Too, uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to add on to the question. Um, my take on on the the promotions is that you know at least with Green and Torkelson, that you know the, the Tigers 
are going to try to make Torkelson and Green a big part of 2022. Now, I'm not going to go as far to say that they're going to make the opening day roster, but I think they're trying to push these guys along to to be contributors next year. Um, and I get wary, you know, there, we got a question about Riley Green and kind of what was the, the, the concern with him or is there a concern with him? And, you know, we have to be careful about you know, guys that are raking in and double A, we saw, you know, Vlad Jr., Jerry Kellenick, these guys that rake come up to the big, big leagues a little early and then, you know, ultimately struggle or get sent back down. But um, yeah, I think more than anything, it shows that next year, like they want these guys to be contributors. Yeah, I would think so, too, because based off what you see right now, too, even the offense, the defense this week, we saw Willie Castro play the outfield to shake your results, and the depth of the outfield got exposed this weekend. Um, Jacob Robson's still relatively new, and it's a good story. I'm not trying to poo-poo on that because, Lord forbid, I'll get yelled at for that. But it, um, no, but like it's just in terms of the Tigers' outfield depth has been showing quite a bit. And the, the answer to Walter Bridges' question about what kind of free agent starters you're going to go with, um, I think they they have to add, like right now the free agent market, correct me if I'm wrong, Cody, it's not, in, in terms of the pitching side of things, it's kind of bare, isn't it? Or is it kind of like it's a mixture? I know Clayton Kershaw, but I'm being realistic. I'm not going to, it's not going to happen. But um, it's, it's, it's a lot of older guys who yeah. are big names and might be high priced and might not actually be as good as their names suggest they are at, at this point in their careers. I think there are several guys in this, in this class that kind of fit that mold for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the younger ones are Kevin Gosman and Marcus Stroman, I think mm-hmm. are the two bigger names, but then yeah, beyond them and like the Scherzer, Grinky, Verlander guys, I, I, I'm not sure who else is out there other than a bunch of like, you know, $5 million arms. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but I think they could still be more likely to pick up a $5 million arm or two, especially with, uh, there's the advantage of having Chris Fetter and AJ Hinch in place. They can go find a guy they like and they think that they can fix up a little bit. And I would argue that might be smarter than splurging on, you know, everyone wants to talk about Verlander. I don't think JV is going to come cheap and he's in his late thirties coming off Tommy John surgery as cool as a reunion would be. If you really want a shortstop, I don't think you can. Uh, <laughs> if you really want a shortstop, I don't know that you need to sign Justin Verlander. And and I, I think they're best off uh, spreading the money around a little bit. So what does that leave you with? I don't know. Hard to say. I mean, Sonny Gray wouldn't be cheap either, but that's a name that's kind of on the upper end that, uh, that I don't think would be bad. Uh, maybe a guy like... John Gray, the Tigers think they could they could fix. There there are some names out there that would be suitable, and I, I kind of see him hanging around more in that lower to mid tier of starting pitchers. And something that everyone needs to keep in mind on any free agency uh, deal, whether it's pitcher or not, is these players lost money last year with the prorated salary. So if they're coming up for a contract, they're going to try to get every penny they can. So, like, if Verlander's 39 coming off injury and he took less money last year because of the COVID season, he's not going to leave money on the table to come back to Detroit as much as it would be a feel-good story. And so, like, the shortstops, they're all going to try to bank, right? Because, again, this is a lot of times either their last payday or their first real chance at a payday and you just lost money last year. Uh, I don't think a lot of these hot – any names that people throw out there aren't going to come cheap. Uh, you make a great point there because there's, I mean, even the, I look at, for example, the collective bargaining agreement, there's been this I almost feel like labor discussions are going to come to some sort of huge and other, they're talking about like expanding this postseason to 14 teams, all these ridiculous ideas. And so I, I really think it's just going to be organized. It's just going to be not even organized chaos. It's just going to be chaos this off season and figuring that out because the owners are not going to budge on paying these guys. I mean, I, I've, I've, joked around about this and, and, you know, irresponsible speculation kind of thing, but it reminds me of the collusion cases in the late eighties. They went out of their way not to pay these guys. And it seems like there's just all these things right now that kind of frustrate the players. And it's not the Donald Fuhrer days of the nineties where Donald Fuhrer and those player association unions were strong and they did not back down. But Tony Clark has been getting questioned quite a bit. And and one pitcher I want to throw in there before I forget is Herman Marquez from the Rockies, who's done a really good job. Um, but I don't know whether or not Colorado is going to part with him or not, but like somebody like Gray, for example, but 
Marquez is putting up some really good numbers, even outside. He's got a 3.5 war this season, Fangraphs war, with a K percentage of 25%. That will play. And he's a guy who yeah. is a workhorse, and he's 150, <laughs> you know, like 180. What? What's up? I'm just, you know, who knows if there's anybody actually in the front office of Colorado right now. <laughs> they forgot to trade Trevor Story. They, yeah. they just forgot. Yeah. yeah. I did. I was just looking. I, I didn't realize Eduardo Rodriguez is a free agent. That might be kind of interesting. I am a big Eduardo Rodriguez fan. So I, I don't know how much you'd have to pay him. It'd be probably 15 to 20, I would assume. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you no, off. No, no, that's okay. And that's like, no, that's a, but, uh, and that's a name I didn't even think about either. That's a that's a good lefty right there. And he's he's not going to be thirty. He's not going to be twenty nine until next April, I believe. So I mean, that's an, an arm under thirty. I'm always caught. I'm cool. Arms under thirty. I mean, he was over thirty history. That's where I'm just like, eh, kind of like skeptical about that because it never seems to work out. I always think of like the Mike Hampton yeah. deal. When he was with uh, Colorado, I mean, again, we're bashing the Rockies, but rightfully so because they're a terrible organization. Um, so I'm going to say it. I'm not going to care. Um, you know, but uh, the way they've been handling things. But and either way, um, but yeah, they, I think they have to be creative this offseason because looking at you're looking at the Toledo's roster right now. I somebody asked me about Mark Leiter Jr. and I just kind of go, well, his FIP is in the you know his FIP is almost five. So no, that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> people get a, 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 a you know, and, and Cody, I'm sure you've seen this too. People get obsessed with box score numbers in, in the minor leagues. Um, but here's, yeah. and this is something that is there a distinguishable difference between double A and triple A in terms of talent? Because uh, a lot of, a lot of times we say, call them up, call them up. Triple A is going to be a better challenge. And to me, it doesn't seem there's much of a difference. Yeah, I think it totally depends. I think it can depend even on the, the time of the year a little bit too. I think especially early in the year, some of your more talented arms are going to be the guys in double A. Um, some young pitchers still getting a feel, but they are going to have the best stuff. I will say when I was in, in Erie, granted they were, they were facing Altoona, but Green and Twerk were, were not facing very good pitching, you know, on the day that uh, Twerk went seven for seven. I thought it was a lot of 92 and some hanging breakers. And I do think people in the game say, Triple A is just more refined. It's a double A, but more refined. Sometimes not quite the high end stuff of double A, but you talk better pitch sequencing, uh, probably more off speed, better lefties. I do think those things are real. Some guys with major league service time who are a little more experienced and a little more crafty. That doesn't always mean it's better, but I think definitely for what Riley Green needs right now, I think it makes a lot of sense. I just think you want to have him facing some guys who have pitched in the big leagues who really know how to attack hitters a little bit of a different style almost a pitcher tends to kind of live in triple a and i think that can be beneficial so overall i i do think there's a jump i don't necessarily think that talent level is better but i think uh just the the how refined the game is is better and then as most people will tell you the jump to the big leagues is, is a whole different animal from there yeah, especially because I look at something like the PSL, and I'm sure you guys being out in Oklahoma, seeing that kind of the PSL, well, it used to be PSL, I'm not even sure what the hell the name of it is now, <laughs> but in terms of the offensive numbers in AAA out, out west, it just seems like it's a whole mm. different ball game altogether, and it's, it seems to still be the case. <laughs> the one aspect of it that, that I was interested in too, the one thing I thought maybe they might want to keep them away from AAA is is the AAA locker rooms can be some of the most depressing places on earth. Yes, that's um, very real. Very good point. Uh, you you got you know twenty four guys in there. Twenty of them have you know think they should be in the majors or think they should be back in the majors or think they're better than the guys in the majors. And you know it's like you no, I don't want. Kobe Jones is hunky dory right now. <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> I was I was just about to bring him up. Because, yeah, like not not to be mean or rude about it, but yeah, like that's a guy who he got a bunch of chances in the majors and it didn't seem to work out. And now he's just in Toledo, you know, off the 40 man. And, and yeah, I don't like off the radar. Know. Like we yeah. talk about Jacoby Jones anymore. No, like, yeah. no, you can still buy his jersey in the, in the pro shop at Comerica Park, though. How much? Yeah, I don't think it's on sale. Probably, yeah, full oh, should be. <laughs> just, in, no, just in case. No, just an example, Chris, when we went down there and Doug McCavage was the manager, that was the, I was, you know, I swear to God, I, I expected like what it was at West Michigan when Lance Parrish was like, hey, I'll talk to you guys for a half hour. We're going to, 
you know, open a beer and kind of thing. Because we could have talked to Lance for another. We didn't bring up the 84 Tigers for a reason because I'm sure he was sick and tired of talking about it. It was a smart move because he talked about everything. He talked about when he went left-handed and it was becoming a switch side, becoming a switcher, all this cool stuff. McCabe was just like, I don't want anything to do with you guys. Get the hell out of my office. There's no music. There's nothing. And literally, Daz camera was, and I, I remember shooting the video. It was so dark in there. I mean, at West Michigan, everything's all lit up and everything. Going in there, it was depressing. And just even Dan yeah. was like, yeah, I didn't really want to talk to you guys because I was kind of, you know, just trying to center myself a little bit. But, uh, you know, he it wasn't him, but you could tell <laughs> that McCabe was just like laying down the hammer. Yeah, no. Yeah. Anyway, that, yeah, that was depressing. Uh, that, that was a bad team, too, yeah. But yeah, th- I mean, this team is, is playing well, and and I guess you, you know you'd hope that these young guys kind of bring some enthusiasm into the locker room. But it's it's I don't know it's always an interesting dynamic there in AAA. In a way, I think that could be good for him too. Erie, look, Erie's very fun right now. It's like a party. It's like playing on a college team. Like it has a college baseball feel to it, and that's not really life in the big leagues. Maybe you need to be around some jaded old veterans, and then. Uh, then see if he's still like coming to the park as much every day. I mean, it's, it, yeah. those things are real. Oh man, but yeah, it, but and then now here's a question for Erie fans. I mean, the Seawolves have been spoiled all season long. They've been kind of the jewel gem. Who do they bring up to replace these bats? And that's where well, it's like, go ahead, Chris. Uh, well, no, I mean, that was the other thing, like the, the, the minor league nerd in me is like, who, like, I feel like there's guys going down. Like I, I wouldn't shock me. I, I'm just curious about the corresponding moves. Like, I feel like Cole Peterson is probably heading back to Erie, um, but kind of curious. I don't know if, so they brought Hutchinson up and farmer was the corresponding move DFA. So I don't know if that clears the spot in the roster overall, uh, but there's, yeah, they're going to be at least two guys moving. And then yeah, at Erie, I don't know. Are we, are they going to get Ray Rivera? It would have to be him or Jimmy Kerr, right? It's probably time to start the game with Ray Rivera, I would think, where it's like, okay, you're just going to bounce around and play where we need you. I guess they do have uh, Drew Ward there, but uh, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see the corresponding moves, that's all. It's a shame Daniel Cabrera has kind of fallen off here because he would be a natural fit, but he's hitting 233 with a 295 OBP in West Michigan, so probably not getting the call. Yeah, yeah. And, and we saw him last. We saw him a couple. We saw him last week and then the week beforehand, and it was one of those things where he just, it, I, I, like, he was. They intentionally walked him. He had a pretty good game that day, but the two weeks beforehand, he just swing off his shoe tops, kind of mm-hmm. thing, looking like he was overswinging a little bit. And 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 defensively, I thought he looked fine out there, but it was just one of those things where I think a good speed, any anything with spin on it, they were able to beat him. Um, everything was like he was chasing everything low and away, and they were even kind of jamming them inside a little bit. And so that was kind of like a, a sign. It was the same thing with like almost like Parker Meadows engaged workmen. And that, no, it's not good. And let's, let's talk about West Michigan for a second. And, uh, you know, going out there, we've gone out there, what, six times this year, Chris? Is that, is that right? <laughs> uh, I've been out there at least three. We had the, the first time when you guys were out there for like the whole series or four yeah, or five right. games. And then I don't. Did we sneak one in between that and your uh, emergency surgery visit? Uh, did we? I feel like we did. Maybe. And then we're back again two weeks after that. So yeah, um, yeah, it's been fun. Well, we saw. We also saw them up in in Midland. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that's okay. So we didn't see them in Midland. So yeah, yeah the the car my uh, my Impreza has put on this summer like eighteen. I'm doing the math right now. Almost nineteen hundred miles between Erie and by the way. Cody, I'm glad you stayed out there because that four-hour drive is boring. Oh, man. How many times were you yelling going, really? Why am I going 70? Now I have to go 55 five seconds later. What the hell is that? Come on. It's not a fun drive. It's some unnecessary construction. I told Dan Dickerson this, though. Uh When you're from West Texas, you don't complain about boring drives. All right. Drive well, I imagine. Yeah, I was going to say, all right, never mind. <laughs> Amarillo, Texas to Oklahoma City, or between Amarillo and Lubbock, or even Amarillo to Dallas. One of the worst drives probably in all of America. So, Ohio, oh, at least it's green. There are some trees. This is fine. I, I do wish there was a little less construction on that drive. I just thought about that. You're right. Because I'm, I'm sure you don't see anything from miles down there, right? It's literally like, nothing. I feel like it's every movie I've ever seen. Make sure your gas tank is full. Any West Texas drive, because you never know when you're going to get another gas station. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, yeah. Where's Odessa? Is Odessa out there in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Odessa's even further west than where I am. That's the real, yeah, barren oil land right there. 
<laughs> I've almost ran out of gas in rural Kansas before. There are Ooh. definitely less gas stations in Kansas. I was just like, oh, I have a quarter of a tank. I'm sure I'll come to a gas station, right? I was driving from like Manhattan to somewhere. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> By the way, Colorado's very rural too until you get to like Denver. Like it's basically just Kansas for like half the state. People don't talk about that, but it's a very rural state. The majority of it. Yeah, I was. I went to Fort Collins a couple of years ago, and it's weird because that's like right where the mountains start. And so you look, you look to the east, and it's just this flat prairie and thousand mile an hour wind. And to the left, it's you know mountain lions. Yeah, going to Iowa. Going to I went to Michigan Iowa, Iowa game. That oh was God, awesome. yeah. Oh, that was. Oh, that was brutal. And that was one of those things where they had this big, big gas station, and it was like, and then. They had places was that, was that, that the come and go? That was the come and go. Yeah, that was the come and go we went to. Um, so I to the straight face still. Um, but it was Iowa. Yeah, that's a brutal trip. And and just speaking of brutal, uh, Lake County. Why can't you? Oh. Um. Oh, I was saying. Speaking of that brutal, how come West Michigan or how come uh, Lake County doesn't have any cameras down there? Were you so that spoiled is... with that a little bit? And the only team we haven't seen so. Yeah, that's kind of odd. That's like, a, a little bit, but that's fine. Yeah, it's you know we never get to see uh, the down in Florida unless they're in Bradenton, but you get to see all the Midwest League games unless they're in Lake County for some reason. Twenty miles uh, away from Cleveland, but you can't have a camera. Yeah, and I had heard that there's going to be like as part of the new restructured deal, the minor leagues are just going to be televised games for all the teams. But I, I'm guessing they have some type of timeline that they are able to meet with that to supply all of that uh, equipment and staffing and all of that. It'd be nice. Um, I mean, in terms of even seeing what we saw today with Brendan Way, I mentioned him earlier, five innings, four hits, two runs, nine strikeouts. And here's a guy who was, uh, we talked about this before, Jake, Chris, um, about his and his write-up, and, and I thought he was going to be end up being a reliever. He's been stretched out to be a starter, which has been the theme across uh, across all these pitchers. Mm-hmm. But I, I get back to work. It's going to be, for West Michigan and now Erie, it's just a matter of bad offers. Now, you keep freezing up on me, so I don't know what um, – Yeah, man. Oh. I know that uh, – no, we talked about Brendan White hey, being <laughs> – It's a back ad. Um no, Brendan White, they've been stretching him on a starter. I still think it's a re- relief look because it's, you know, it's mostly sinker slider, although his f- four-seamer apparently is uh, pretty good metrics on it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that was just the, the thing. That's I was glad to see them grab so many arms in the draft because it really was kind of a misconception about the system. They had, the you know, the top of the, the class was – the top of the farm was so good with pitching – but beyond that, the depth is just not there. So they need to build that up. And, you know, we'll see if Job gets out there and pitches at all this year. That'll be interesting. I don't think anybody else will, Ala Smith or Madden. No, I don't think yeah, so. But, nice. yeah, I mean, shout out to, uh, to to Hasty and the Road to Detroit pod. There were some interesting notes about uh, Dan Hubbs gave about Brennan White. He liked right. his, uh, you know, he thought his – four seamer and his sinker kind of played off of each other really well. And even though he's, you know, two, two pitch pitcher in terms of fastball slider, he thinks he can kind of work the sinker and the, and the four seam in together to where it's enough of a wrinkle to, to start. And he's, he's done well so far. So credit to him. Nice. Yeah. I mean, and hubs has been everywhere too. We saw him in Toledo. We saw him and he's been doing a, a like he, I remember him and Jim Leland talk about the pitching design of Matt Manning and the slider and then going back and forth. He's like, so I'll throw the slider. And like they were going back and forth about that. And uh, go ahead, Chris, do the. Uh, your- uh, I, 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 I just throw a slider there. <laughs> <laughs> it's spot on. That's good. That's good. That's yeah. good. There's a video of me doing a Leland impersonation floating around YouTube from literally like 12 years ago. I'm talking about <laughs> Scott Sizemore. <laughs> Scott Sizemore. Oh, that's, that's a name I haven't thought of in yeah, a long time. Fun. Probably look good. Look, look tan coming off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Another name too in West Michigan that, uh, and I'm sure and you guys have, uh, we've talked about this name a lot. Is Brandon Ryan Packard's back on the injured list, and he's a name that's kind of a lot of people are getting really excited about Brian Packard at the beginning of the year, but he seems like he's kind of fallen off a little bit. And I think he maybe was trying to play through injury, and they just kind of regressed. I don't know, but uh, that's a name that I, I hope it. 
in terms of just like for first base, again, he hasn't even played first base that much. Um, so yeah. it just seems like he's kind of been lost on the shuffle too and has regressed a little bit. But is there any other names, Cody, to you that in terms of what you've been seeing and what you guys have seen as a whole, some name, maybe some underrated names out there in, in the system that you kind of go, you know, maybe you should pay attention to that not exactly the household names like Torkelson and Green? Uh, yeah, I think we've covered most of the guys that, that I like. And honestly, in the lower levels of the system, you guys are probably more plugged in than I am. I'm trying to worry about this, this major league team most of the time for, which is, you know, um, so I, I would say two things here. I would say, you know, guys you've heard of who aren't the big ticket names like Bo Brisky, Ryan Kreidler. I went to Erie almost looking to like knock Ryan Kreidler. I was like, everyone's talking this kid up. Like he can't be that good. And I was just watching him take ground balls. And I was like, Oh, like his footwork was amazing. And then I had heard uh, from some people in the organization, they were very concerned about his swing and miss. Uh, you know, I just saw him play three games. The pitching wasn't great, but I didn't see much swing and miss his, his swing and miss numbers don't appear to be horrible. And obviously he's got some pop in the bat. I really liked his, his bat path, there was something innate about the way he was just kind of dropping the barrel to the ball. So I came away very impressed with Kreidler. Obviously, the Tigers are too. That's why he's getting a call. I don't know that he's your shortstop of the future, but uh, scouts, I, uh, one scout dropped a Jordy Mercer comparison. And, you know, Tigers fans might not like Jordy Mercer from 2019, but early in his career with the Pirates, Jordy Mercer was a very good shortstop. I think that's probably like a ceiling for Kreidler. I'm not even saying he's going to achieve that level, but I, I think there's a major league player in there. Um, I would say also when we start talking about guys like Packard, Elvin Rodriguez, keep in mind in a couple months, we're going to have instructional league and the Tigers are going to start promoting some of these guys who have good instructs and we get excited about them. And in reality, they're probably just not that good of players. So I don't know who, who this year's version of that will be, but be prepared. That's going to happen. Um, we haven't talked about Colt Keith yet. He's probably the other guy really having a strong year. Um, the, the pick out of high school last year, and it seems like he's really making some strong impressions. He's still very young, but I will be interested to see what his future holds for sure. Before we get to Colt Keith, the one guy I wanted to, I'm a big fan of is Andre Lipsius, who I think is going to be a good okay. match bat. And I think defensively, I don't know about what you saw, Cody, but in terms of his range to play the various positions that that he's been playing shortstop at times and second base. And I don't, I, I like his defensive ability, but in terms of I know his numbers don't stand out Two forty four, Sometimes the swings a little long, yeah. but he's shown improvement every level, but it's just like, he, it, it just comes and goes, but in terms of like his offensive production, but I don't know. I, I feel like that's a guy who's going to be a good bench bat at some point. Yeah. I was, I was watching Lipschitz pretty closely and I know there are people in the front office who still think he could be an everyday type player. Uh, I just saw him for three games, so I don't want to make any sweeping conclusions. And, and as much as I enjoy kind of evaluating guys, I'm not a trained scout, but I thought Lipschitz looked very unremarkable to me. I thought he had pretty good defensive instincts. I could see, yeah, this guy could maybe be a good defensive utility guy. I looked, I thought he was chasing a lot when I saw him. And then I looked, he's not, doesn't have terrible strikeout numbers. He walks a lot. His walk rate's like 11.5%. Uh, I, I saw some chase. Maybe it was just, you know, a three-game stretch where he was in a little bit of funk. But I, the long swing, for sure. My overall takeaway was not terrible, but didn't do anything that really stood out to me either. But it's, it's three games, so who knows? Uh, yeah, I did. I think he had a four-strikeout game this week. I think he's definitely fighting it a bit. Um, and he is the guy – he's the sort of guy, like – I didn't even think much of him when we first went out there to watch him, but it is one of those things where you just, the more you watch him, it's like you start to just appreciate the uh, consistency of him. Yeah, uh, that's real. Um, you know, it's and I would say that uh, that's the first, uh, maybe I've heard the, the Jordy Mercer comp before, but if, if Ryan Kreidler as a fourth round pick becomes Jordy Mercer, Tigers fans should be ecstatic. Amazing, it's, yeah. it's like you get in any major leaguer uh, at, or major league regular average player for a couple of years out of the fourth round is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah sure. I, uh, I told the story last week about, you know, we were texting, I was at the um, alt site, you know, in the springtime before the minor league season started. And, you know, he's like, Oh, that Ryan Kreidler guy can hit. I think we were in a group text with, with chip and you and, Everybody and uh, he hit a home run like two seconds later. It's like, yeah, I guess he can. So uh, 
Yeah, he he kind of caught my eye, you know, from from the spring, and I kind of watched him through there. And uh, is it O'Neill Cruz? I think from the Pirates. Yeah. Um, they were playing the Pirates, so it was kind of interesting to see, you know, these big body kind of shortstops roll around the infield. And you know, I don't think Kreidler has this like crazy range or anything, but he's sure-handed. He makes the plays you expect him to, and he's. Uh, you know, they've been putting him there every day, even in favor of guys like Lipschitz, who could probably handle the position. So that kind of tells you what the, the organization thinks about him defensively. And, you know, 296, 377, 481 in August. That's pretty good offensive numbers. And uh, speaking of uh, defense, by the way, Cole Keefe, you were talking about this earlier. Keith, or Chris, you were texting me his errors. I mean, how many errors does he have uh, between second and third? I believe he has eight right now. Um, but, you know, this, you know, 18, 19 year old kid, yeah. 19, I think. But uh, I, I don't really worry too much about errors in the minors. I think what did Derek Jeter that. make like 65 errors when his first year? Well, he's uh, a terrible fielder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks overrated, right? Uh, Miguel Cabrera once made like, I don't know, like 27 errors, something crazy in the minors as a shortstop. Obviously, yeah. So, it's okay. Uh, no, no, yeah. it was, like, it's, but then it's the WRC plus that you brought up, uh, Chris, last week. I mean, th- those numbers stand out, and, and why does it stand out? Because of what you were saying, some of those the players have reached the majors. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean it, the the one I did with that was teenagers who had uh, like a one twenty five WRC plus in, in Tigers minor league history, and it was it was Castellanos, it was. Uh, Willie Adamas, it was Domingo Leba, and who else? Somebody else that I, I'm, I'm forgetting now. Avi Garcia, I think. They all, you know, all eventually made the majors. There's, we we try to tell people not to focus too much on stats, but there are a couple things in the minors that can tell you things, and one of them is performance at a young age. And that's why I tweeted out the the Riley Green is 20, and you know the 20 year olds who are doing what he did or who did what he's doing are are you know there's MVPs in there, there's all stars, there's a couple of busts. But uh, a lot of really good players in there. And then also, you know, he's now 20, going to be playing in AAA, which doesn't happen very often in the Tiger system. Yeah, it's only it, the Milk Kyler. Some of these names, people <laughs> are just like Omar Infante come to mind. It's And it, I hate to say this, but it, and again, trying to not sound negative, but because we'll get yelled at apparently about it, um, is um, just the fact that it's only like five names. And I mean, Milk Kyler was injury ridden Travis Ryman was in Toledo just at the age of 21, which still stands out to me a little bit, but uh, no, but Cole Keefe for high school talent, this is rare in terms of even, and, and Cody, you know, the suit like just outside of Riley green, the Tigers haven't really produced anything in the high school level talent. It's going back almost 35, 40 years here. Castellanos, but yeah, Castellanos is a big one, but yeah, I mean, yeah, position players in general. Castellanos is is one of the few in the last decade, and yeah, high schoolers, you're right, not many to speak of. Yeah, Trammell and Whitaker, Petrie, and then it was, and and, then like, and then technically Howard Johnson, if you want to get technical about, or I think he went to college, I can't remember right now, top of my head, but there was like it just Hojo dropped, yeah, good old Hojo, yeah, and steroids, um, allegedly. So, anyway, um. But moving on, uh, but I mean, in terms of Cole, uh, Cole Keith's impressions, uh, anything, anything else before we get to, I want to talk some barbecue. So actually, because we, yeah. we're about 43 minutes in and I was just wondering with your schedule, the way it's been, gentlemen, uh, have you guys had a chance to hit the grill at all? Or you guys done any type of uh, not, well, now you're not doing baseball stuff. What have you guys been doing trying to kind of relax the summer? I know it's been raining every single effing day out here in where I live in Dearborn Heights. And so, I'm over it, but um, have you guys been in the grill at all or anything? Cody, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, for me, it feels like uh, I haven't been on the grill in, in too long. There was the rain that I feel like it just rained all of July. I, mean, I barely grilled. I made a steak a time or two. I didn't do anything uh, creative. And then, yeah, I was just in Cleveland and Erie for six days, which for some reason feels like it was three months. I think maybe the the drive we were talking about and just Erie. Uh, so it's been a while. I'm hoping tomorrow's off day. I haven't looked at the forecast. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I'd like to get on the grill. Uh, probably just do like a steak and uh, went back to grilling some corn. I kind of neglected corn for a little while. I don't know why, but. <laughs> you know, back on the corn train. So uh, nothing crazy. Uh, I need to ch- buy a brisket again soon and do that. But yeah, really, it's been it's been a little too busy. I haven't had much time to experiment in the last month or so. 
for me, so we haven't had that much rain, but it's been about 99 with a heat index. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in Dallas for anyone who doesn't know, uh, with a heat index, that's, you know, 105, 106, whatever. I don't really pay attention. It's hot. It's really all I, all I need to know. And, and, uh, I used to have a covering in my backyard, but it, there, we had so much wind one day that it actually broke. It was a metal like structure and it just bent it. So now I don't have a covering because I haven't bought one because it was a really nice one and I didn't want to replace it. So it's hard to get people to come out and grill with me because I don't mind staying in, in the heat, but other people, they they get annoyed, they get sweaty, they don't want to listen to Dan Dickerson like I do. So uh, so I haven't done it as much, but I uh, uh, a favorite of mine, if I can share that, a favorite of mine is I love doing country-style ribs. Uh, it's basically shoulder fat for anyone who doesn't know. Um, they just slice them in, into, you know, strips basically. And, uh, and I do that all the time because you can do a variety of things with them. You can't necessarily overcook them. So if you, it's, I do it for parties. I did it for 4th of July. I got a fancy football draft coming up. I'm probably going to do that. You can just cook them up, put them in some sauce, let them smoke. And they're basically ready anytime. So uh, I love doing that and also whole chickens. Those are a favorite of mine because again, so some of the same concept is you can just cook them for hour long and then just let them sit in heat and it just adds more flavor. So that's, that's my barbecue tidbit. If anyone uh, cares to know. This is something that I've been saving up for. That I'm going to do for next year is they call the Caja China and you put a whole pig in there. You can do all like chickens. You talk about whole, whole chickens. You do that in there wow. and it's, Got some uh, versatility to it. So you can put in there the, according to this, you can put in there uh, the model two provides uh, 18 roasted chickens. So if you want to, you know, if you want to go crazy, you want to go, ape, you want to go ape shit in your house. Right? So it can cook a, up to a 110 pound pig, um, 16, 18 whole chickens, four to six turkeys, pork slabs, eight to 10 pork slabs and eight to 10 pork shoulders. So there you go. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while because my dad, Growing up in our house, he made a homemade barbecue pit um, because in Cuba, big things about roasting pigs, what have you. And so he did me. He made one, dug it in the ground, put it and it was like just it wasn't sophisticated, but it worked. And I've been thinking about this for a long time. But, yeah, that right here, that Cajachina, man, it's 500 bucks. Well, shipping is probably close to 500 dollars. But um, I have smoked two briskets all summer. That's it. I've not done anything that I really wanted to do. Um, of course, you know, getting your gallbladder removed sucks as well, but still, nevertheless, I wanted to cook. <laughs> um, so I just want to get some from the pit masters because that I have two Oklahoma Jill, I have an Oklahoma Jill smoker and a grill, and I got the smoker and I've used it maybe once. And I used the grill more to smoke because I'm still comfortable putting a pan of water in there with wood chips. And yeah. my wife is a my wife, my I'm a very klutzy person by nature. If it wasn't for my wife, I think I would have burned down the house a couple times. But yeah. honestly, um, she, we, the way we constructed it, um, I'm looking forward to maybe getting another brisket out there. I just, I'm just kind of curious what you guys have been up to with that because there's so much. The Tigers have unexpectedly be are good, and it's really it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, as I look at your lions, uh, as I look at your lions scarf, that's the thing that kind of angers <laughs> me a little bit. Is that the lions are the preseason people are making this big deal that, you know, they got an FM radio over and the Tigers got an AM and I, I know football's King. So I, I, I can't argue it, but it's just, it's, it's Lions <laughs> preseason football guys. Come on, please. Just, Dude, it's, it. it's David Blau. It's David Blau. <laughs> my, my old high school classmate, David Blau slinging oh, really? it. Wow. Yep. Yep. He was a freshman when I was a senior. And so, they, on the football team, they brought him up for some practices, and he sucked because he was nervous. You know, he's 14 years old practicing with the varsity team. But, uh, but yeah, David Blau from Carrollton, Texas. Shout out. I feel like Northwestern, Purdue. 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 Okay, yeah. He, all right. he basically followed the uh, Drew Brees path. Texas kid yeah. goes to Purdue, and there you go. So, if, I mean, is it is it safe to assume that if you because Cody didn't you went to high school with a couple of. Uh, Baseball players too. Uh, Jake Rogers went to my rival high school. There's a That's guy. That's where it was. Yeah. There's a guy named Addison Russ who's in. Uh, well, I guess he was in AAA now, back in AA in the Yankee system. Who I played at the same high school as. Um, Heston Kerstad, the number two overall pick. I played with 
both of his brothers and he, he went to the same high school as I did, obviously just several years removed. So um, yeah, some, some pretty good baseball players played against several other guys who um, played D one or bounced around the minors trying to think in terms of other athletes. That's, you know, that's about it. But um, yeah, some, some guys have had some decent success for sure. The, the high school wish what I would have gone to in my neighborhood, uh, Dearborn Heights Robichaud had Tyrone Wheatley, and that's when he literally, they just gave him the ball, and he just, you know, <laughs> I mean, literally, the offense was like, it was just, uh, you know, uh, a simple slant to the right, slant to the left, up the middle, that was it, and then won the state championship, and the only state championship they ever won, and my claim to fame is I struck out went 0 for 3 against Ryan Anderson, who ended up being drafted by the Seattle Mariners, who's going to be the next big little unit, um, because Catholic League gets three balls, two strikes, and yeah. he took advantage of it. It was just like this, you know, I had no chance. I just did one of those, like, chop swings, and damn, yeah, I was done. But, uh, no, I was just curious because he was like, everybody, I, everybody I've ever talked to who plays high school sports in Texas has some sort of connection, some sort of athlete. Yeah. insane, man. Well, I was, I was high school teammates with Ryan Russell, who a couple of years ago came out as a bisexual, uh, first bisexual football player. Um, and I played high school ball with a guy named Hayden Howard, who was a left-handed pitcher and he's drafted by the nationals a couple of years ago in like the 12th round. I, I don't think he's been able to work his way up the system, but he played at Texas tech and like Seward County community college. And this is a pretty good school in the Kansas area in Kansas. So, uh, yeah, he, I played against Jay Ajay in high school football. Um, you, you spend enough. Yeah. If you're, if you live in this area, you got, you got a couple of war stories typically. Cool accent. Jay Ajay. He was, he was a lot skinnier then. <laughs> um, he was not a power back. He was a speed back in high school. No Texas school offered him. No oh, Texas school offered him. And, uh, it's the best player I've ever seen in person. Hmm. Oh. Like on the field, like sharing the field, you know. Sure, Obviously, sure. I've been to NFL games. There'd be a little better than right. Jay. Died, <laughs> I have uh, I have another one that's kind of. I think I might have faced Michael Fulmer before, and oh, wow. I've like forgotten about it because I, I think just because of the way Fulmer looks and carries himself, I think of him as like thirty four, but he's twenty eight, <laughs> so he's one year older than me. Or I think he, you know, I think we might have like. I don't know what year you graduate high school. We might have been in the same class. So, you know, we played uh, travel ball teams in Oklahoma quite a bit. And I do remember, like, my eighth grade year, you know, we had we had this very good team. We only lost, like, five games all year. One of those losses was from to a team from the Oklahoma City area that was really good. And they had this really big kid who pitched and, like, hit and – I definitely know I did not get a hit off that guy. I don't know for sure if it was Michael Fulmer, but I'm starting to be like, I bet that was Fulmer. And I tried to see if uh, these like old youth baseball websites would have somehow had a record of that game. There is no record, so I will I will never know for sure. But I th- I think I'm thinking there's a good chance I face Fulmer and I did out against Fulmer. Well. I didn't play against him because I was only a freshman on the on the JV baseball team. But I saw Josh Bell play in high school. Uh, he played against my high school and he was a start i actually found the lineup card when i was going through stuff at a recent move he was the uh, starting center fielder uh, in high school same high school that uh, jordan lawler just graduated from jesuit in dallas and a lot of those kids end up playing for the the dallas tigers when they're younger i think that's like this seems to be the big travel team down there or that's a big one patriots another big one uh there's and then that's not a very original name, but there's the Texas Travelers that usually has some pretty good players. Uh, but yeah, baseball. I my the high school baseball coach that I had said basically, if you're not playing summer ball, if you're not playing fall ball, you're not really trying to play for me. That's basically yeah. what he said. So it's year round. Yeah, I would imagine. I I don't have you know. I live out here. I grew up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, but we moved out to Brighton. And there was a strange, like, four-year period where Brighton sent four different players to, like, D1. Well, uh, Clint Copenhaver went to Michigan as a linebacker. He was pretty good. And then Drew Henson, famous uh, Dallas Cowboys legend, Drew Henson. I graduated with him. And then the next year, Dave Pearson uh, went and he became a center for Michigan. And then also, I believe, was a center for the Lions for a little bit. And then there was a kid named Colin Finnerty who went – 
think he was going to go to Toledo, but there were some issues and ended up going to Grand Valley and won like three national championships there. <laughs> yeah, that was when uh, Brian Kelly was there. That's right. Yeah. So that's all I got. I did, uh, you know, I also, I also didn't play sports in high school. I was busy doing other things. <laughs> yeah, You're crunching guy. numbers, getting getting the analytics going. I, I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing. <laughs> no, but the, uh, the, the other claim to fame is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dallas Star former goalie Jason Bacashwan. Yeah. yeah, he was a lefty in our um, city, all-city team, and we uh, our league didn't really produce much. But at the time, I didn't know he was a goalie, and uh, decided like, we decided to play street hockey against him, and that's when we realized we're idiots because we fell into a con game. <laughs> No, like, <laughs> he's all getting stood up, and we're like, "Wait a minute, this guy? Does he play travel? I thought you played like Little Caesars League or something." Nope, 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 nope. And they end up uh, playing in the NHL for a minute, but that's the only other one I have. But um, I wasn't sure. Every time I make that Jason McCashwell reference, no one gets it. But I'm glad you guys do. So, um, so Cody, what do you have coming up? Uh, what do you want to pimp out? Uh, is there any articles you want to? And of course, the Athletic. And I'm I'm going to sell it myself. Best description out there some really good material all the time and you guys do fantastic work, but in terms of your podcast articles, what do you want us to link up on, on the description? Yeah, we've got a uh, fresh podcast episode coming out Monday and I think Tuesday I'll have a story on Torkelson and green Wednesday, looking at a story on the uh, anniversary of Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal's debut. Um, Talked to both of them today, actually just looking back on their debuts and, Everything that's happened since, it almost feels like more than a year ago. A lot's yes. changed in the world and uh, also for both of those guys in their careers. So I'm hoping those will, those will be some solid pieces. Awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's strange to think, too, with just uh, over a little bit of a month left in the season, how they're going to nurse innings. So I'm just interested to see, again, with no real help coming down from the minors. I mean, I, I don't see any. It's just going to it's going to be a lot of weird starts coming up. And, you know, the Drew Hutchison if you were told me and Will, Willie Peralta and Drew Hutchinson would be starting some quote, quote unquote meaningful <laughs> games in August, I would have told you you're high. I mean, that's just honestly like I just it, it's been surreal seeing that happen. And then again, you wouldn't think they'd be less than five games below 500. No, I'll tell you that. No. And right now I have a I have a bet for anybody out there who's listening to the podcast. If they hit 500, I have to dive into something um, whether. And so I decided I made the decision. I'm going to decide in a, a big tub of ice cold water, like the polar plunge. <laughs> and I will do it in the middle of winter um, just to prove my point. But I, you know, I, and, and re- in some ways I want them to reach 500 in ways I don't, I'm being selfish. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want that to happen. Their so, schedule is kind of tough coming, coming down the stretch. So yeah, it is. They got Toronto. They're going to try and Toronto. I mean, for what it's worth, imagine being, imagine being Toronto. You have a plus differential of 124 in your fourth place in the AL East. What kind of bullshit is AL East? <laughs> brutal. Come on, yeah. man. I mean, I mean they were they were looking for relievers all year. And meanwhile, Seattle's in the thick of things, and they have a <laughs> and they're in the mi- plus minus. <laughs> Jeez, man, come on. It was and there's a team in the NL East too with a bad run differential. I think uh, Phil- every team, Phillies, yeah, every, every team. team. <laughs> <laughs> the Braves aren't really that great. Yeah. <laughs> Phillies are throwing Mad Moore out there like he's for <laughs> East. It's like, come on, really? Yeah, no one's well, buying that. Come on. You know, but I think you know Dabrowski. You know, we we he made some sneaky good moves there at the uh, at the deadline. Like you know, suddenly they they come out and they sweep the Mets, and they're kind of yeah. I, I don't know. I was I was like, ah, oh, he didn't do much, but uh, you know, he he's good at trades. I'll give him that. All right. Well, gentlemen, again, thanks so much for joining us. And again, Cody, the, all the information from here was good. And you're nice to meet you finally for once. And you know what? You have a handsome face. So you got like chisels. I got the goatee going. Oh. You got the big tie. <laughs> you, you got the tie cob card behind you. I mean, you got some. Oh, there you go. That's... Yeah. There you go. You got to work with what you got, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to tell the story. How did you get that tie cob card, by the way? Yeah. So, um, by the way, I don't know if you could tell. It's three by five, three by five, and uh, it was at the National Sports Collectors Convention, uh, which was two weeks ago or whatever. Um, in and Chicago, my, right? In Chicago, and uh, my company, uh, I'm in the sports memorabilia business, and so that was one of the displays. Uh, the head of Ty Cobb is cut out so like kids could come up and like take their picture with like, you know, being in the cart or whatever. And it was just in our office when they came back from the convention. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? 
they're like i don't know probably just you know i don't know i was like uh can i take it home <laughs> and they're like sure so i fit that inside my chrysler 200 uh <laughs> and basically driving with the edge of it on my neck like this <laughs> and if i would have gotten pulled over i don't know what i would have said because it definitely wasn't safe and if i would have gotten an accident i probably would have been decapitated but <laughs> oh, it was worth it because not everybody has that in their house so not to mention it'd be a cool carpool story too like you know like you need more people like in the carpool lane and use the head of type like, oh that's a good point <laughs> i didn't even think of that i didn't even think of that see that's community thinking right there. <laughs> oh, there's, there's an old timey baseball player that guy's Christopher too. Oh man. All right. Anyways, thanks so much, gentlemen. We appreciate it. And we look forward to again, subscribe to the athletic, some great content and turning the corner podcast. They are top 50, top 30 podcasts. I looked, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll explain off air why. And, uh, Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having us. You guys yeah, do great work. It. Thank I you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh,